This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Transpersonal Radio with Angela Lynn Gibson. Remember, your thoughts upload your reality. Think wisely and always prepare to ignite. Welcome. Welcome to Transpersonal Radio. Transpersonalradio.com. Real talk for real life. Inspiring podcasts. Exploring personal empowerment. empowerment. And transformation. Through parapsychology, spirituality, and how your thoughts upload your reality. And now your host, Angela. Angela L. Gibson. First of all, thank you for listening, and a big thank you to my loyal listeners who have stayed with me throughout the years. Welcome to all you new listeners. I've been producing Transpersonal Radio since 2010, not without challenges for sure, but I'm proud that I'm in the sixth year of Transpersonal Radio and it continues to get better every year. I'm going to ask my listeners to do me a favor. If you find value in this podcast, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or download the iPhone app or Android app. And please, share this radio show with anyone you think may find it helpful, thought-provoking, or interesting. Also, please leave a great review for me on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker, as that will help the reputation of the show and get it recognized by a wider audience. There's a lot of work that goes into creating and producing a podcast and radio show. Here's the thing, folks. Over the years, I've had some really amazing guests on this show who speak from their core, who get real, who speak from a place of authenticity and integrity. These guests bring their A-game, providing you with quality content that can really make your life better. So by telling everyone you know about Transpersonal Radio and getting the word out, these guests really can make the world a better place. Thanks again for listening. Hello, Transpersonal Radio listeners. I am just delighted to have Michelle Renee as a guest tonight on Transpersonal Radio. Now, I've known Michelle for many years, although she is one of those goddesses I feel like I've just always known. We had an instant connection. Uh, it was kind of a funny story how we met, and she shared that previously on one of the shows where she interviewed me. But it's just we just had this instant connection. I just felt like, okay, this is somebody. She's in my soul pod. And so I'm just so excited to have her on the show tonight. She's been doing so many wonderful things. I just, I cannot wait to have her share with you what she has been up to recently. Now, Michelle has studied the field of religion and spirituality for over 20 years. She is an ordained minister and soul coach who places major emphasis on assisting people with how to go within and how to use tools to research the sacred text in order to gain clarity and understanding on a multitude of diverse theological issues and self-empowerment concerns. Michelle owns and operates her own company called Moon Intuit. Moon Intuit is a company where Michelle spends her time mentoring and counseling and teaching, specializing in the utilization of recognized and accepted alternative therapies, practices, and approaches to personal development. Since 1990, Michelle Renee has attended specialized theology courses, facilitated worldwide and recognized by world-renowned religious organizations. She has immense knowledge in the subjects of religion, cults, and spirituality, as well as a solid understanding of the Bible, Christianity, and Christian theology. 
Always seeking to expand her skills and knowledge in personal development, she studied metaphysics and science of healing with intentions with Dr. Samantha Hudson-Geiger of Holistic Lighthouse and Life-Changing Insights. In 2010, she graduated from the Yoga of the Mind Institute in Denver, Colorado, and continued her educational pursuits to receive a Doctor of Divinity certificate from the Universal Life Church. Michelle Renee now uses her diverse life experiences, skills, and knowledge of spiritual insight to assist women with discovering their life path through mental, physical, and spiritual healing. Michelle Renee has developed a specialized approach for delivery of her teachings with the Inner Goddess Awareness Program that has supported men and women all over the globe. She also has application uh, of the Teach One, Reach One program that's generating very positive results for her students and Currently, she's the host for the program called The Good Stuff Hour, Manifesting Your Millionaire Self. This class assists its members to transform their life by word, thought, and feeling. Michelle is also the author of two books, Your Wish is My Command and How Much by When. Michelle, I am so happy to have you with us this evening. Welcome and thank you for being with us. Wow. That was such an amazing introduction. <laughs> and when I listened to it, I'm like, wow, I did all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's not even, I don't, you know, that's not even the half of it. Let's get real here. Right, right. <laughs> I was going to say, and that list is so long, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm so Look, at, I'm glad I kept it to that because the list is so much longer. I'm like, wow, that takes a long time, and, it, and it's still so much. And I'm like, wow, I've done all this stuff. It's good <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You know, and that's the thing wow. is, is we, we are people who actually have really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have to say we have lived our lives. I think, you know, because I do the same thing. Sometimes people are talking about all the different things I'm doing. And sometimes I'm thinking, God, there's no way people will believe all of these different things that I've done, but I've done them. And oh, um, exactly, you know, it's just life is to me, life is just, it's an adventure. And what else can we do? And what else can we see? Where else can we go? Who else can we meet? What else can we learn? Uh, you know, that's what life's all about. So I'm going to tell you at 19, 20, 21, 22, whatever those years were, if someone had told me then I'd be doing what I do now, I would never, ever be able to see that. Um, so, you know, for some people that know, I'm, I'm a former Laker girl. So right there, it's like, okay, so you were like all in the woo-woo entertainment, you know, <laughs> yeah. hip right. <laughs> you know, so I was with the NBA, dancing professionally. I was a ballet and a jazz dancer, now, choreographer, all that. Yeah, and now people, people listen to this show literally in all different countries around the world. So just to be clear, when you say you were a Laker girl, so you that was for the National Basketball Association. You were sort of like a cheerleader, basically, right, um, for a basketball team. That's, that's So Absolutely. explain what that is. So... The the National Basketball Association, which has the pro NBA, otherwise known as the pro NBA uh, basketball league, uh, here in the United States, they um, have dancers specific for each team. Well, depending on how long that team has been around and how affluent the team and how powerful in their 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 skills as basketball players, then you have also the dancers that match that. So, of course, I started out with the Sacramento Kings, which um, originally was from Kansas City, and then they they went into Sacramento, and I was part of the original dance crew for that. And um, within 18 months, I literally, I don't even think it was that long, I manifested 
joining the team for the Los Angeles Lakers. At that point, I'm going to say um, uh, Magic Johnson was part of that team. Um, oh, wow. Uh, Green was part of that team. I mean, there's so many people that were part of that team, but everybody knows Magic Johnson. So mm-hmm. that was during that era. <laughs> so it was and a big so, deal. It was a big deal. And so uh, to be on the team and to – just to be in the that whole aspect of entertainment, because I had come from the Sacramento Kings, and so now if anyone watches ESPN, um, we have Kenny Smith. He was with the Sacramento Kings before he was with the Suns. Well, that was my friend. That is my friend. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, here I went to – I was on the Kings while he was on the Kings. As a, as a player, I was a dancer. I go to the Lakers, and, and now I'm sitting at the corner of watching these two teams play that they're, these people are my friends. And, and I remember him coming to the, you know, the, the side court, and he says, oh, you're such a traitor. And I thought to myself, oh, really? And I wanted to say to him a year later, oh, you're such a traitor, because he left the Kings to go to the Suns, you know, but he had an amazing career with the Suns, which now has led him to be on the um, – to be one of the um, announcers and and co-hosts of an ESPN program for basketball, so for for the NBA league, so it's it's really fun, and that's what I did back then. Mm-hmm. So then I put all of that down. I retired and found myself heavily involved in um, the world of of spirit, mm-hmm. and and because I could not. I could not ignore what I, what I could hear, what I could see, what I could feel. I could not ignore those things. Mm-hmm. And, and it, first it came in the way of religion, which I think it, it crosses that because they're, we're still trying to figure out how much of spirituality is religion, which it's all spirituality, but it doesn't necessarily have to be expressed in religion. Um, however, it did for me. That makes so, sense, yeah. Right. And I think that's a path for uh, a lot of people when they're first, when they're making that transition. I think a lot of people when they, um, so a lot of people, they, when they're not indoctrinated into that as a young child, you know, all the way up and they don't know any different. Oh, absolutely. Uh, If it's people who are living their lives, atheist, agnostic, whatever, going secular, living their lives, doing their thing. uh, Oftentimes people will have some kind of a life changing event, some kind of, uh, um, something that has a major impact on them, and then they begin to ask these deeper questions, these philosophical questions. Why am I here? Where did I come from? What's life all about? Is this all there is? And then they start this path of seeking, and oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, it starts out with traditional religion, because that seems to be what's more prominent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I was raised, and, and I, I have no problem saying the the path that I ended up taking because it's such a learning lesson, which is why I'm where I'm at today. I, I tell people I don't judge anyone for where they're at because that's exactly where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised as a Catholic. My mother raised us, and we we weren't the tra- we weren't the traditional Catholics who only went to church on a holiday. We actually I, I went to catechism. My mother was spoke Latin, uh, so she went to parochial school. Um, we were at every Sunday Mass, every Saturday Catechism, every, um, every Wednesday or Friday prayer vigils. These were things that my mother did in, just really inculcated into us. And so it put a very deep sense of um, personal obligation to the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but that also can be mixed with some guilt. Oh, sure. Releasing some guilt, right, from, from learning or taking your own path. And so eventually, by the time I turned 18 years old, I, um, uh, maybe 19, I started to go to church with my grandmother and she was, um, she was a missionary Baptist. And then, and I was done with that for a while. I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm done with that. <laughs> and so then, then I found myself in the Pentecostal church and then I saw them like running and, and speaking in tongues and I couldn't understand what they were saying. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done with that one. <laughs> and so then my, my friend, she was, um, now mind you, we're all young. She was with a, a, a group, a music group called New Choice. Um, and her producer was Jay King with Club Nouveau. And uh, he's with Warner Brothers. And he saw me at a Sacramento Kings game and then hired me to become the choreographer for this group. And then eventually I became a, a stand-in as a singer on tour. Nice. So the lead singer, yes, the lead singer... And I became like, literally, she was like my best friend. And she was studying to be one of Jehovah's Witnesses at the time. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you have to read this. And of course, because even though I was Catholic and went to Mass all the time, I read every single little book that I could get my hands on in the Catholic Church, but never read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So when this person brought this Bible to me, that was something of interest, I thought, wow, how come I haven't read this book as deeply as I've read all the other books in the, in the Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. Well, so therefore, I began this pathway to religion through, through uh, this, this form of Christianity. And I'm just going to say it that way. And, or that practice of Christianity. And so I was one of Jehovah's Witnesses for many years. And it was, um, even then, Jehovah's Witnesses would um, say, they would say, okay, so Michelle is one of those special kind of ones. Like she, somebody could say I was overmuch or like I was extremely sensitive. Mm -hmm. And they didn't mean sensitive like my feelings would get hurt, but like I could walk into a place and feel what type of energy there was. Um, We would proselytize and go to, let's say, on a Saturday um, um, garage sales. And the women in the car, because they knew I was so sensitive, they would say, uh, okay, so if you could just walk around and let us know if you see or sense anything and that we should not maybe purchase anything at this particular location. Interesting. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I would get out because I had that ability. I could feel it. Mm -hmm. And and that, that spirit energy would speak to me accordingly to say, Literally, in, in such words, but not necessarily in these words, but um, not to pick it up. We will cause that household trouble. Well, it made sense why that would be the case, only because when you play a game and you accept the terms of the game, just like Monopoly, then now you have to um, go according to the roles that are um, connected to the game. Sure, and I, you know, I just have to, in, I just have to intercept something here as I'm listening to your story because now uh, we've had a, quite a bit of a different experience in that particular area. In that, uh, now I was, I, I was raised agnostic, as a lot of my listeners know. I was initially raised agnostic. There was no talk of God or angels or any of that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then I moved in with my uh, Southern Baptist grandmother, which was, uh, well, th- that was an experience. And <laughs> uh, but, you know, and then I was with. Uh, you know, other Christians, and 
my experience, it was very different. It was, it was very much, you don't use anything like that. That's of the devil. And you don't mess around with that kind of, you know, what, what you're calling sensitive kind of thing, which is interesting to me because it's a fine line. I think that there are religious groups who say, well, laying on hands is perfectly acceptable. Speaking in tongues is perfectly acceptable, but any of that psychic stuff or sensitive stuff or any of that kind of stuff you shouldn't be doing. And now, but you had a group of ladies with you who were basically kind of sending you out there saying, okay, go, go test the field. (laughs) (laughs) So, so here, here they may not have said it, but it was definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely really what it is. I was the witch of the group. Right. I was the one, but they didn't know how to say that. They just said, oh, Michelle has the spirit. Mm -hmm. She's the one. Mm-hmm. She said she's she's got that thing, and I would go out and I go and I would circle around and that that spirit would come to me and say I'm not today, mm-hmm. and I would come back in the car and say you might not want to pick up anything today or you might or mm-hmm. from this house you mm-hmm. might have some issues, and and later on what I learned and and that's why I don't have any of those type of issues about going this place or that place and picking up anything. Mm-hmm. Because if you play that, that if you were in, and I shouldn't use the word play, but I always see it as a game. It's just mm-hmm. like children in mm-hmm. the game. If you, if you say, okay, I want to play this game, then now you have to play by the rules of the game. And so if you want to be scared, then now it's going to be something that will scare you. Sure. And so that is, you know, that's what your mind creates. And so therefore, even if it isn't something scary, you will create that. And those, those women would have created that because that's exactly the pretense at which they were seeking without even realizing. And so, you know, that was part of my journey and experience. And eventually with the different events that occurred, um, in, in the years that I was with them, I realized that I was, there was so much of me that was spirit mm-hmm. that could not be answered by, by something in a book that said this is the way it had to be or that right. no one else could be accepted. That just was so foreign to me, knowing what I felt, not knowing what I, knowing what I believed, because I started to just dump the belief. Mm-hmm. I, I started just going inside saying, okay, what do you know? And the only thing I know is what I feel. And so that's the only way that I can go. Now, eventually where that led me into is really taking a deep look at who I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's even on a, 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 a deeper level than what we even can believe or know who I am. This I am, right? Who is mm-hmm. this, this? Who or what is this great energy? And so during that course, I began to... Um, study more and more about my, my uh, heritage and, and my family. And I wanted to know what that family was and, and, and why it was so important. Mm-hmm. So then, that, of course, that got me into ancestral work. And, and I had a, a teacher, which in the African term, we called them a jedna, jedna. And that jedna taught me, she says, until you know who you are, you cannot do anything for anyone else. Mm-hmm. That is so true. You are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so it's okay if you want to play this right here, but you're going to go through some, you're going to go through some mess. And I think you need to be by yourself for a while. That's what she told me. You know, I kept mm-hmm. trying to date people and, and then go work <laughs> over here and pretend to do this and over here. And then, and she would just constantly say that. And eventually it got to the place where I was by myself. And I had to learn to enjoy the by myself. And I had to accept the, the sounds that I heard or the feelings that I um, felt, 
the um, energy in a room that could not be explained mm-hmm. by uh, anyone. I had to accept it and then be able to discern what that is. So important. And, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And what that led me to uh, become is a person solely inner aware just knowing that that is the answer. And then through my study of, of um, neuroscience, because now it led me into, look at how this path goes. <laughs> it led me into wanting to know why does the brain receive mm-hmm. spiritual messages? Right. What is it that allows us to even hear it or to feel it and, and to think it? And so, of course, then I'm going into the subconscious work and then the, the, the three brains were going into the um, the frontal lobe, which creates the pictures, and the pineal gland that literally is the the receptor and transmitter of feelings, which we call intuition, and then the the subconscious mind, which is really where the God person is, is that's the all being, that's the all knowing, mm-hmm. that right there knows everything, and and so I had to get into that, like how do I get into my subconscious? And and if the subconscious is there and it has this much power, how much information does it have that is collected all my life that now I'm replaying? Right. And if I'm replaying this, right, if I'm replaying this, how much of that is connected to the spirit world that also is energy? Exactly. Feeling a frequency, mm-hmm. or I'm up on this frequency, feeling the vibration that I'm sending out. So, so therefore, now I'm I'm dealing with different type of spiritual energy, spiritual people, spiritual experiences, mm-hmm. spiritual, um, literally, it's, it's like walking into a room and, and something vibrating at your ankles, and then all of a sudden you become aware, and all of a sudden you feel the high tingling at your forehead, now, and in your scalp, and you, and it was always there, but you were just not in tune to it. Like, all of this stuff started happening to me, all of, literally, if I had to say, bombard me, um, at, at one good rush, and I had to process all of that Mm -hmm. Um, and and in doing so began to and and this is the the best part I began to like me Mm. and I began to know me and I began to answer to me and that's what I realized this is what we are all trying to or working to obtain to get to know the me to get to like the me Mm -hmm. to now live by the me. What is it that I, what is it, what is this for me? What is my truth? Right. And that's why, yeah, that's why I had finally gotten. And it is, it's wonderful. And now when I teach my students, because, you know, I don't, I don't walk in a specific religious path. I'm definitely a spiritual being, a spirit being, walking in this physical um, uh, experience. And so when I meet a new student, it matters not if they're in their religious uh, order, if they're coming out of one, if they're in their space of African theology and um, African spirituality, um, or if they're coming from um, a different spiritual system, mm-hmm. it, it matters not. Like, there's no judgment. I recognize that's exactly where you are. I, if you're at your Christian place and you believe that this person is your the savior that you want to put, you are needing that in order for you to now get to another level. If you are at a place where you say, oh, no, that doesn't exist for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I comprehend that this, this book is allegory. Okay. 
now you're getting you you might be transitioning to now um, com- connecting to your divine God self. And everybody gets to these different places at different times of their life. Sometimes earlier, and sometimes much later. So, you know, there's no reason to be angry at anybody. It's like being angry at a baby who doesn't know that it can run yet. Mm-hmm. It's crawling, and that baby says, "Oh." I need to walk like my mom, but do you know that baby has no concept that its two legs that can walk also can run? It has no concept of the running. Mm-hmm. It only sees the two, you know. So it's like, well, how could you even be upset at a child for not knowing how to run yet, mm-hmm. who hasn't even taken its first step? You can't. And so that's where I began to have so much empathy and love for for. Um, you know, my people, in that regard, I'm not going to be upset because this is where you are or what you profess or even in your your intensity about it. I, I just recognize that's exactly where you are, and I'm okay. So you, Michelle, you've hit on a lot of cornerstones that set the foundation for a lot of what I want to talk about this evening. And, you know, I, I really want to dive into some meat here with the topic of what's going on in the world right now. And... Mm kind of look at sort of an occult overview, looking at it from an energetic perspective, an occult perspective of uh, the world politics right now, uh, everything that's going on as far as, um, you know, just current events and and the political arena and the world stage. And really, I, I, I want to take a moment right now to let everyone know our hearts do go out to everyone in Brussels in the wake of the terrorist attack this morning. And to that, I would like to read an excerpt about that topic from George Takei on the subject. And then, Michelle, I want your input there uh, on this particular uh, viewpoint and this particular situation. So about the uh, terrorist attack in Brussels this morning, George Takei says, quote, Our hearts today are full of grief. But tomorrow let them not be full of hate. That is what terror demands, and we shall not give it that victory. If it is our way of life they seek to destroy, let us respond instead by standing stronger and taller still. Uncowed by these acts from Paris to Ankara to Brussels, unshaken by their cowardice and hatred. Let us remember that good people of all faiths and nations suffer from extremist terror and religious violence, We must be united in both our compassion and our resolve. There will be those who seek to exploit this bloodshed to their own aims and ambitions, doubling down on the rhetoric and the politics of fear and division. Our mettle as a freedom-loving people shall be sorely tested by these attacks. Whatever we do next, let it be without haste, without hatred. That is a difficult thing to ask, a very tough and narrow path to tread, but it is the only way through, end quote. Mm. Comments? Wow. There are... groups of people that feed on the energy of low, lower vibration experiences. So, and in doing so, depending on where they are in their 
and what they're feeling for the day. They may or may not even be in tune that certain things are happening around the world. Mm-hmm. And so it it doesn't mean that that the people that do know that it's happening around in the world are low vibrating people, but they may have had an experience that allowed them to now flow into a vibration of information. Like I said, there's the vibration at the ankles and then also at the at the forehead. It's all happening. Mm-hmm. But where it is that we are in the stream of time so that we are experiencing it with this person or with this group or with this entity. I, I know that what George is speaking comes from his heart based on the things that he has seen and the groups of people that affect him. The fact that he spoke on it, it is affecting him personally. And it is truth in what he says in regards to not allowing that thing to now pull you into a place that now is, will, will take you off of the path at which you are really trying to obtain, which is having a sense of peace and security, mm-hmm. um, a sense of fulfillment and, and as a sense of um, love for people. Because you can get to the site that you look at that and you start hating, you start hating this group or this entity or this experience. And then now that energy that is you now pulls the vibration even more heavier of, of this negative experience and then it now magnifies. Mm-hmm. And so what I hear George really saying is that don't get caught up in all of that, like you have to get beyond this piece. You have to remember the humanity or the, or the love for, for people, even outside of this attack, even yes. if the attack was horrendous. Because if you get sucked into this, then, then now this draws in even more of what you really truly don't even desire, that you do not want to experience because you're being sucked into feeling this way based on that. So you have to rise above that and not allow it to um, have the same effect on you as it would have if you were not a knowing person of your own, um, uh, in control of your feelings. That's like right. If you just kind of let things just go all willy-nilly, and I'm using that expression kind of loosely, then you can be swayed this way and that way and be caught in emotions mm-hmm. and and then, then now all of a sudden you're in a group and you're at a bar and then someone says something and you're agitated mm-hmm. and there's a fight and this fight turns into a such and such all because this thing happened. So you have these all these little clusters of negative energy now affecting you on such a grand level. And that energy is felt literally worldwide. Energy travels. And so what I really hear George Takai saying is that you have to, you must get beyond what was now a trigger to pull you down you have to Mm -hmm. you have to raise above that so that you are not losing sight of what um our our real purpose is is to really live peacefully just because this small nucleus is behaving like this doesn't mean that now you have to um be also the trigger point you can actually diffuse it by now raising above it and and seeing something beyond what what was initially 
um, initiated. And so that takes a strong person to say it. And, it's, and what I know is that he said it in the most diplomatic way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You and know, there's layman's terms for that. Go ahead. When I'm uh, looking at this, this paragraph that okay. that George shared, it reminds me of I don't know if uh, you remember this or not, Michelle, but I think it was back in the '80s. It's just, that seems so long ago now. Well, I guess it is. <laughs> uh, back in the '80s, I know. Uh, right? Are we dating ourselves? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. <laughs> 27 years old, and it seems like... Yeah. Oh, God. No, anyway, but uh, when... I think it was, it was in the 80s, they were doing an experiment with meditation, group meditation, to see if they could bring down the incidence of crime, and in particular, violent crime, in the D.C. area. Do you re- recall this experiment? I do, I do. And... Yes, I do remember. They, uh, it was very, it was actually a very scientific study, which is why I like to talk about it, they were looking at crime statistics in the area. They had quite a few data points to go on. And then they got together. I believe now I, it's been a while. I'd have to resource this. But I believe it was around 3,000 people got together. And I, I remember that this was being, not to interrupt you, but to, I will. Yeah. This, I remember Greg Braden speaking about it. I, oh, my goodness. I, so I'm just going to say if I can meet Greg, I would love just to have a, an <laughs> right. amazing conversation right. with him because right. uh, this, yes, because when he got into the heart science and, and, and this particular piece of information, mm-hmm. I believe he actually brought this out in a seminar that he did in, in I want to say this was in Italy. He did this uh, seminar right. and he brought out something similar. But please awesome. continue. Yeah, so that's great. Thank you for sharing that because I actually didn't know that Greg Braden was talking about this as well. And so that's fantastic. I actually found it through the interwebs, because you know me, I'm always on the internet. And so I was uh, reading about the, the actual study. Anyway, long story short, without getting into all the details, the, the point is is that this group of people got together for an experiment to do this study to see if they could lower the crime rate through intention, through thought, through meditation. And long story short is they actually did. So yeah. where I'm going with that is... As I'm reading what George shared, and and in my opinion, he's spot on because the last thing we need to do is overreact out of our own strange filters or uh, things that we have going on in our world. We don't want to just be hasty in reaction, hasty in striking back because that gets nowhere. The, The whole concept of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that's Old Testament teaching that is it no longer serves us. We have evolved our consciousness beyond that type of mentality as a whole. I have hope. Mm-hmm. Now, as you said, we still have these pockets of people who are acting out in uh, horrific, atrocious, inexcusable ways. However, we don't want to make hasty decisions and rush into retribution without thinking about what is really going on here. And so my point is, I believe there are a lot of us who have this particular situation as well as others come into our purview because we're at a state where we need to come together as light workers, as higher consciousness people to reenact some semblance of that group meditation globally to bring down this level of hatred and violence and 
divisive behavior. Absolutely. I I see this. And and so in in my culture, in the African community, I see this on a whole nother level because you see different ones that are in the the vibration of these trigger points, and I'm going to say it that way, Mm -hmm. of experiences where there is... um, there's crime against um, African men, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and many people. It's not just the African community. It is now um, many communities: the Asian community, the Hispanic community, even the. And I'll say it just this way because I'm 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 basing it based on the political terms of race. So that's let me just keep that politically correct. <laughs> but even the Caucasian community, I ha- you know we have to do this. Um, the Caucasian well, community. Even even there, there there's an acknowledgement that there is this this crime on on a particular group of people, uh, especially um, in the African community, where these young men are being targeted. And yes. so then you, you you literally think, okay, so wait a minute, we see this um, national, we see international news mm-hmm. of terrorists, then we see national news of terrorism, yes. and then we see civil civil yes. news of terrorism. That's right. And so. Where I hear you going with this, which I think is so amazing, is that when you begin to change the vibration of what you feel, it doesn't mean that you um, you void, oh, let me say it this way, it doesn't mean that you have not acknowledged that those things have happened, but to continue to um, recreate them in your mind now draws in a certain energy that will only produce another negative effect. So therefore, in order to counterbalance that or to counteract that, you must now take that energy on a, another level and change the dynamic of that energy. Right. And so therefore, this is what that study was. How do we change something that is really negative and go totally 180 degrees? That's right. And then make it something else and then have another outcome. And I always, I love this. It's like in the alien movies, and then they take whatever it is that the alien is doing, and they turn it back on the alien, and then all of a sudden they're like, we won because we turned, the, we turned it back on the alien, the very thing that they were doing to us, we, we turned it back on them, and now we won. So yeah. to me, that's exactly this, this effect. So everything that you were hating now, you know, every, every hate feeling, we're, instead of you wanting us to act like hate, we're going to turn it around and we're going to use this energy a whole different way. That's right. And then literally boomerang it back like a, a, a mirror, right? Yes. But what's being boomeranged back is so much positive vibration that now everyone is collectively coming into an agreement of raising the vibration, which would, in this case, um, that there's peace and harmony. Right. And, and let me say best because I'm, I'm every, for those that know me, they know I'm a master at affirmations, uh, literally and transformation of manifestation. This is what I work on with my yes. students. And we're going to get they're, into they're that as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm going to negate from using the word harmony 
even though that sounds like a great word. However, the root in the word is harm. Right. So every time we use this word, we are actually now still inducing the energetic um, frequency of harm. So the best words um, to replace that, for those that are listening, uh, when we are saying we want peace, we want serenity, we want tranquility, mm-hmm. we want um, um, awareness, and we want... Um, and, and I love just this simple word. We really just want it to be happy. And and even simpler than that, we just want it to be good stuff. Mm-hmm. We just want good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that feels good, right? right. So so uh, those are words that I've learned as I begin to study words. Mm-hmm. And we're going to really get into that. Yes. <laughs> so, so I was going to say, I probably need to go, go, go back to, to school and get my PhD in, in being a linguist or something because, like, <laughs> words are a big deal for me. Right. I'm just like, when I hear people talking, I go, oh, no, that's why that's happening in your world. Right. Oh, and okay. so we're going to really dive it. into that. So, and, you know, and so just you know, to wrap up this particular topic here, I mean, so we have, of course, we know after 9-11 happened, we had the whole reactionary let's go in and invade iraq and 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 i don't want to get into all the details right now because that's been i don't want to beat a dead horse here but the point is that we had a reactionary um response to what happened and as we went over into iraq and afghanistan now we have given rise to what the u.s first called isis then changed to isil but who are actually day is the proper term. So the terrorist group, we have that uprising now, all these different factions. We have all the unrest going on in Syria, and we have continuing Middle East conflicts that have been going on now for uh, forever, it seems. We've got Kim Jong-un over in North Korea now shooting off missiles and doing military exercises and posturing and doing whatever he's doing over there. And then we're going to bring it here to the United States now, as a lot of listeners are aware, we, we're right now experiencing unprecedented primary elections in the United States. Literally, this we've got a reality TV star who's leading the nomination for the Republican Party. Out, of, he's beat out. Started, I mean, it's, this is just insanity. Started out with 17, <laughs> 17 candidates running for the RNC, for the Republican side, now down to three. Mm-hmm. And a reality TV star is the leading nominee right now. And Well, that, that, that is so, let me tell you this. I think, <laughs> so I'm going to just tell you this is funny to me because you and I have spent time in Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. And no one would have ever believed that Arnold Schwarzenegger would be sure. a mayor of Sacramento. And sure. I remember... And then governor. That, I mean, because I... That, right. <laughs> yes. Oh, the governor. He was the governor. That's right. Yeah. So, yes. So, so here's the funny thing about that, is that he he just put his name on the ballot. He was like, oh, <laughs> look, I can do this. <laughs> he did. And he, he did. won. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm just thinking... And he was an interesting person, you know, as, as, a, as a governor. He learned a lot during that experience. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say whether or not I agree with everything that happened there. Um, because I'm going to tell you, my, my world was so in a different place because I was dancing and all sure. that good stuff. Um, um, however, it was, it was an interesting, I want to say he was governor for, what, two terms? Yeah. I think he was a governor for two terms. Yep. Yeah. So, um, 
It, it just, it's amazing. So when I see, nothing is impossible when you say, you know, this leading reality TV show personality, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, but look at we had Arnold Schwarzenegger over there, sure. and what did he do? I mean, he was like the major hunk <laughs> weightlifter of the century. I mean, really? Right. You know? Right. It's like, what? And from Austria. What? He's from Austria. Right! So, he wasn't even from the United States. Right. I was just like, what? Right. How does that happen? Right. You see what I'm saying? So anything can happen because, see, now that's where we go with this. This is the consciousness of right. people that when they make a shift, that shift can do anything. Now, even you know. It seems to be played out by something. Go ahead. You know, now you and I, we both have studied uh, with Ariel Gatoga, and uh, he talks yes. about the two states of being. So there is the causal state and the physical state, the mental state, and the physical state. So whatever we're thinking, whatever we're, our intention, whatever we're um, crafting is what comes out into our reality. And he says that there are two states of being, and, and one is the state of love, and one is the state of tension. And, and it really gets down to that simple. And so as I'm watching what's happening on the United States political arena right now, we've got Donald Trump heading the RNC, who is literally inciting violence and and spewing a lot of hatred a lot of uh, xenophobia uh, a lot of things that are just really pretty nasty and on the other side we've got bernie sanders who is the exact opposite he's preaching love he's preaching unity he's preaching all of us need to come together work together help one another it's a completely different message and yet both of them are outlier anti-establishment candidates. So this is also unprecedented in the history of the United States. And and I'm watching during this election cycle as the corruption of mainstream media is being revealed on a level that has never been achieved before. The corruption of the political parties and the influx of money and how money is buying politicians and buying... Uh, what happens in this United States is being revealed on a level that's unprecedented. And at the same time, there are rising tensions now, uh, especially, as I said, uh, Donald Trump is really doing his part and raising a lot of tensions. However, he's just bringing to head what's already been there. Now, you and I, Michelle, we've talked before about institutional racism, uh, all these different things that are going on in the community that everybody kind of tries to be hush-hush about. Let's, let's all, you know, let's look the other way. Or, you know, NIMBYs, you know, if it, and, you know, not in my backyard. Or if it's not happening to me, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, it's all kinds of crazy stuff going on right now. And, mm-hmm. and because of what's happening in this moment, all of this seems to be bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up. And it's fascinating to me to watch as you see on the one hand, and you touched on this earlier. That's when I said you just set a foundation for a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm watching on the one hand, on the one side, where it's still fear-mongering and hatred and it's your fault because you shouldn't be here and you're in my space and you need to get out and all of this stuff. And then you've got on the other side saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're all in this together. I mean, our focus really needs to be at the 1% who's taking everything away from us. We've got we've got 60 people, 64 people right now who control 
the majority of the wealth. We have 64 people in the United States who have more wealth than the entire 90%, the bottom 90%. Now, those are the people we need to be looking at. Like, we need to be looking at, we need to come together. So instead of saying, oh, you know, and they have a name for it where you're actually uh, fighting down and you're blaming everybody who's either on your level or below you. And that's exactly what the upper echelon wants you to do because that keeps the oligarchy stable. And so my point in all this, and again, I want to get your opinion, you know, in, in connecting with the ancestors and channeling information. Well, again, my opinion of this is this is a perfect opportunity right now where the band-aids are being ripped off. There's no more, uh, let's look away from police brutality. Let's look away from political corruption. Let's look away from media corruption. Let's look, that's, those days are over. So we have an opportunity right now as higher consciousness beings, as light workers, to stand up and start changing the vibration of what's happening in our communities, in our cities, in our towns, in our states, in our country, in our world. Well, I, I, I'm in, definitely in agreement with that. And, and so probably what I'm about to say is going to uh, be something that most people have not heard in a long time. But uh, these ancestors don't give a damn about these, um, these political strifes. And the reason, the reason why is because there, there are people that have been taken from their location to be concerned about something that really has nothing to do with them. It, the consciousness of a group of people has been manipulated over a period of time to keep um, any group of people um, suppressed. So you don't want them to wake up. You don't want anyone to wake up because if they wake up and know that the 64 people over there are making a bunch of money, then <laughs> then you have these groups collectively deciding all to pull together. Mm-hmm. And so if the 64 people over here are are running the 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 full brunt of what we call wealth, but the real wealth is in the knowledge that is now keeping that person suppressed and seeing that they are really not as wealthy as they appear to be. Then, <clears throat> excuse me. Then 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 you may have accomplished something. However, what I'm seeing in conscious communities, I'm seeing it all over. There are. Um, and I love this. I, I see African people literally coming together. They are the, the, the known bloods and crypts are no longer warring against each other. They're coming together as a collective group of people. When I look at the um, Hispanic community, they are coming together to um, work together. Um, and the, the little factions of civil war, of gang, um, gang violence is literally um, like shrinking, like daily it's shrinking. And not only is it shrinking in that community, but even connected to the other community. So what I'm seeing is the bridge between the African community and the, um, the Hispanic community. They are bridging, like they're eliminating these wars. And, and that's, that, all that's saying to me is that there is a conscious shift Yes. In what is truly desired. Like, okay, so we're all fighting for this territory, but none of these streets have our names on them. And we are all still paying rent, and they still come in here, and then they want to evict us. And my mom gets evicted 
African woman, and my mom gets evicted Hispanic woman. They both got evicted from the same street. Okay, we got to come together. And it's very interesting. There's um, and I love this. When I see the because Black Panthers have been uh, definitely uh, 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 an issue, especially I don't even want to use the word issue, but that that came up again because definitely from the Super Bowl performance with Beyonce, um, that was a political statement mm. um, about the Black Panthers. And, but see, what it is is a conscious awareness of what it really is, as opposed to what somebody wanted you to believe that it was. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And so now mm-hmm. you're. Right. So then now you're seeing the uh, the uh, Hispanic community connecting, which they, they call it the Browns and the Blacks. The Browns and the Blacks are coming together. But not, it's not even just that. I see the, um, the East, Eastern communities coming together now with the, um, with the African and the Hispanic um, communities. So what I'm seeing is that it's a shift. Yes. And, and there is... Um, Oh, I had her name, and, and her name escapes me. She does amazing uh, lectures um, regarding the difference between um, those with brown skin or black skin and um, those without. So she says, literally, she just says between the whites and the blacks and Mexicans and the, right. and the whites. And what she does is she says, hey, how would you feel at this? And she gives them all these different scenarios. And at first, they don't even realize that the scenario is about race, right? Uh-huh. But then uh, eventually, yeah. she pulls it right out. She goes, okay, well, you didn't like that. You didn't like if I said this or told you you couldn't have this. Or, and she just lays it all. And then she says, but yet that is exactly what you've done to this as a, as a collective group. Yeah. So, so when I see things like that, we're not just talking um, Hispanics and Africans coming into this conscious awareness of shifting from anger to now um, collective peace. I'm seeing also the Caucasian communities that are saying, hey, wait a minute, stop. Right. That, yeah, this, this did used to happen here. I'm not in agreement with that. Yes, okay. So, so if this was my seventh great grandfather that was connected to that, I'm not in agreement with that. That's right. I'm not in agreement with that. Um, I, I love Anderson. Anderson, um, Oh, goodness. What is Anderson's Anderson last name Cooper. on 360 CNN? Yeah, yeah Anderson, Anderson Cooper, which I absolutely... <laughs> when I first saw him, it was, I think, 9-11. When I first saw Anderson Cooper, I was like, wow, look at this man. I had to, <laughs> I had to step aside for a second. Wow, look at this man with this completely gray hair and these blue eyes absolutely phenomenally just intact. And, and I was just like, right. wow, I, this is something, the way he just presents himself, that he's just so all right. But I believe that he had done some research in his in his background to discover something. And he, I, I love this. He said, I, I am not in agreement with what my ancestors did, what my great, great, great did to this group of people, because he acknowledged that he found out some information yep. about who his pair and his great, great grands were and, and, and the relationship with the African people. And he said, I am not in agreement with that. This is not okay. And apparently, if I'm correct in saying, um, it was discovered that this particular African slave actually killed his great-grandfather, one of his great-greats. And he said, I, I, there's, I can't even be mad at that. I can't even be angry at that. He was keeping a human against his will. Right. He says, and I'm not in agreement with that. So you can see where the, conscious, the consciousness of what is humanity 
is, is switching to such a degree that it is now exposing the people that we see dancing in their puppetry. Uh, that, that's exactly Who right. are huge, right, who are huge personalities, and that's all I'm going to call it, mm-hmm. personalities. And I say it even from, um, you know, it's, you know, we're looking at this, this particular individual, and I don't know if we're saying names on here, but it, it, it's, neither here nor there because this is a radio station everybody's listening sure so but you know we're, you've got donald trump who's this radio part i mean this um this the reality TV personality re- yep. and yep. then you, right tv reality then you step over here to hillary clinton who at one point was against everything that <laughs> what she was for everything yep. then became against those things then became for and now that she's running she's against them it's like okay wait a right. minute so, right. so then you look at that and you go, okay, so this is puppetry for women. Sure. Well, and you know, and I have so, to say, so, just real quick, I have to interject. This is another this is another situation that's absolutely unprecedented in United States elections, and that is for the first time in history, we have a presidential candidate running for the presidential office who is under an active FBI Department of Justice investigation for criminal wrongdoing with mishandling of sensitive intelligence data and for possible political corruption related to the Clinton Foundation. So Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. is is undergoing. So I, and in my mind, honestly, I'm just, how is this even happening? <laughs> just. Right, right. So, so here's where I see this, because you and I do know how this works. And, and again, we've studied with Ariel and listened to him, and, mm-hmm. and you do create your reality. This is, a, this is, this is fact. Mm-hmm. And this is the secret no one wanted you to know, is that everything you think, you have already created. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, which is called conscious ignorance, mm-hmm. that even as, a uncon- as a conscious community of unconscious people, you can all create the same conscious, unconscious reality. That's right. Like all of you, and, and, or all of us, whoever, all of them, all of we, whatever. And so here's what I think. This is this. I can't even say it. it's beyond thinking. It's something that I just internally know. This society has spent 15 to 20 years watching reality shows. Sure. And so now what they have created is the reality show in the most highest energetic expression of rulership. And it's being played out literally like a soap opera on mainstream TV. It is a soap opera. And that yeah. is what the soap operas have been going on for since the 1950s. We had the soapbox. So the concept of having a, um, having a villain, having the, the, the underdog, and having the, um, the, the oddball. Is definitely is always been the component that I ever watched when I sat and watched <laughs> with my mother on Young and the Restless. Sure. That was Young and the Restless. Sure, it was. You had the villain. You know, Victor was our villain mm-hmm. some days, right? Sure. And then Mrs. Chancellor. Sometimes then it would switch from between him and he and Mrs. Chancellor. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my God, yes. I don't like Mrs. Chancellor, right? But then all of a sudden, then there would be. Then there was the odd, there would be the odd ones that come in, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'd love Jill, 
And then other days we didn't love to. See what I'm saying? Yes. So we got used to the components and the dynamics of how a soap opera is. And so you create that energetic consciousness in, in people's ideology of what, how things should play out. Sure. So then now we switch it and we go from soap operas to evening, evening soap operas. So we went from day soap operas then to the evening soap. And so then we get Dallas. Then we get, to me, when I'm watching the way all of this unfolds, right, we can't even get into the play, the playground. The playground stuff is like, you know, Brady Bunch, um, uh, Welcome Back, Carter, you know, all of that. That's the, that's, that's, the, that's the stuff to keep you distracted, right? Then you go to the nighttime, not landing, Dallas. What else was there? There was, um, there were several um, nighttime programs that had you knowing and still rooting for the villain, and you would feel bad for the villain. And, and, and that's what I began to recognize, that there was something very, very interesting about the way media would shift the consciousness of mankind. Mm-hmm. And I was very young. My mother used to allow us to watch Dallas and not Flanding. And I loved Dallas. Do you know, as much as I did not like J.R., I felt bad when he got shot. Now, what does that have to do with today, we are looking at a live reality show that literally has stemmed through the conscious um, building of soap opera and accepting these stories. And then we have recreated these stories. Look at Donald Trump has a wife that has done what? And what did she wear? <laughs> like, no one would ever think. You see what I'm saying? Like, yes. who, who does that? Like, we've all looked at all of the wives to be studious, to be conformed, to have extreme, um, I, I would say, the most exquisite etiquette. And then you go over here and you go, oh, okay, she doesn't have any clothes on in the, <laughs> the jet plane. I mean, oh, I mean <laughs> right? That so happened. I look at it. I just keep it. Right. I keep it real. <laughs> hey, so that's anyway. what this show's about keeping it real. Okay. That, this is, that's what this right? is about. Right. Exactly. So let's circle so, back. But isn't, but um, so let me just end that real oh, quick. But isn't that, isn't that a soap opera? It is. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and I've been saying this is like a, a reality TV show. And, and of course we know that, right. that reality TV, TV shows, there's not much real about them. They're all scripted, but we all know again, right. we're talking about the puppetry and the same thing happens in the political arena. So it's all coming together. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. It, this absolutely. is one big mashup, absolutely. <laughs> which is crazy. Absolutely. But let's circle back for a minute. Uh, to talking about how the consciousness is also shifting for the better. I want to I want to uh, leave uh, with s- something on that note, and then I'd like to take a break and then jump into the whole affirmation and actually creating our reality. Sound good? Oh, absolutely. Great. So the, uh, the last piece that I want to talk about, uh, which is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel that we are, you were talking about how we are starting to see some mending among the different ethnicities and and being able to come together and say what are we fighting one another about now i also want to bring that now to an economic level because this to me it brought tears to my eyes because i thought oh my it's finally happening we're we're finally seeing the shift after all these years of greed with you know starting well for sure starting in the 80s greed is good wall street leading all the way up with the regulation to the complete crash of 2008 with with the entire implosion of Wall Street and the bailouts and the whole destruction of 
the housing industry and so on and so forth. There, there was this whole concept about greed. And I have to say, I, I read an article yesterday in The Guardian about a group of millionaires who came together and said, we are New York's millionaires, and we say, raise our taxes. Each of us earns over 665000 a year. We can afford to give more to help children in poverty, the homeless, and people on low incomes. Now, I'm not going to read the whole article, but it goes in to say that it is shameful. It is a shameful fact that child poverty in New York State is at a record level, exceeding 50% in some of our urban centers. New York State has a record number of homeless families, more than 80,000 people struggling to survive across the state, and far too many adults in our state do not have the work skills needed for the 21st century economy. Now is the time to invest in long-term economic viability of New York. We need to invest in pathways out of poverty and up the economic ladder for all our fellow citizens, including strong public education from pre-K to college, and we need to invest in fragile bridges, tunnels, water lines, public buildings, and roads that we all depend on. Now, it goes on, and, and of course they say, oh, well, how are we going to pay for this? And that's always, whenever you talk about any type of democratic socialism or any, any type of program, how are we going to pay for this? Well, here we have 40. Now, granted, the, these, these are not all the millionaires in New York, but we have 40 millionaires who have come together, and they all signed their names on this article, and they said, how are we going to pay for this? Well, they said, in the spirit of shared sacrifice, we, the undersigned, call for a balanced solution that includes maintaining, expanding, and making permanent the top marginal income tax rates for upper-income New Yorkers like us who can afford to pay more, and then they go into the details. And I was just floored when I read this wow. because this is such an amazing departure from the past few decades. I And I have to tell you, again, you know, growing up in England, being in England, being in a socialist country, uh, knowing about other European countries who are strongly socialist, democratic socialists, I already have that mindset. And so when I came here, it was quite a shock anyway. Uh, so to see this, comments, Michelle, on this particular revelation. Um, I'm just going to say it's, probably, it's about time. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's about yeah. time. They're, yeah. they're definitely a balancing mm. because I'm sure that just as creative as it was for money to be withheld um, or taxes to be withheld from a certain group of people, then just even more the creative way to now circulate that money. That's right. Um, in better ways to improve the city because everybody lives in the city. That's right. Everyone. You know, it rains upon everyone and the sun shines upon everyone. And so all the services that are in the city um, are are you are utilized by everyone and and I guarantee and, and this is just this is where I say humanity takes takes into play. It's when you have a person who's making a certain amount of money and they go into a restaurant and they're sitting down to eat and out of the side of their eye, their left their left eye, they see a mother and a child wearing the same clothes. And she might be, um, she, she's homeless, and they know she's homeless. It's difficult to swallow that bite of food. Now, that doesn't mean that, that they gulp hard at that moment. It might take a moment for them to remember that image that they had. 
matter of fact, because you know we know how he, how the human mind works. It doesn't. It will choose not to see what it really doesn't want to see. That's right. Right, but it is all being taken into the subconscious level, and when something happens, and it's a family member that's now going through something, and they hear it, or a friend of theirs, then that's the image that comes back, and so. For that to be happening lets me know that there's definitely a conscious shift at really comprehending what is wealth. Wealth is not in the the, the dollar bill that's in, in a bank account, although that makes that is a component of wealth. But wealth really is the, the that spirit person. Yes. And their their integrity and their loyalty to to the divinity of life absolutely that literally no animal begs for food but yet there are shelters for animals and they get they get food and they they're taken care of very well but yet as humans they they're made to feel bad to even be in a shelter and the shelters are unclean yep or 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 overcrowded and they're you know all the different things or or the health care you have to you have to pay for healthcare when that is your living human right. Yes, and I and I should say living right is your living right. Yes, to have healthcare, to to make sure that you are you are well. And and besides, if there's groups of people that are not well, they spread it spreads disease. That's right. So this is this is not just for personal uh, some personal release of guilt, but even for the, for the prosperity of humanity, because there's truly enough room for everybody. That's exactly right. And, and that's exactly right. And on that note, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into that whole scarcity versus prosperity. So the scarcity mentality versus prosperity. I want to get into affirmations and, and uh, all that that goes into creating a better reality. Awesome. So let's take a break and, uh, and then we'll get back to it. All right. And we are back. We are back with Michelle and Renee. We're having a really amazing conversation so so far, and uh, now we want to shift focus just a little bit, although it all is connected, but we're going to shift focus a little bit and talk about, first of all, the difference between the scarcity mentality that has been so predominant in our worlds for so long versus the abundance philosophy. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about uh, affirmations and manifestation systems that really work and how to make your life and your reality the world you want it to be. So, Michelle, thanks for uh, jumping back in here. So let's start with the men- the mentality around this whole scarcity concept versus, uh, well, reality. <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah. Wow. That is the reality. I mean, and that, I guess, is how effective programming is is that when you begin to see what has been programmed as something as a reality and therefore not being able to discern that you have the ability to recreate or create or readjust or, you know, whatever it is, another reality. And so if someone gives you that soul reality, that's all that you function in. And I, that's what I see a lot of what this world 
and communities, um, how they how they act, how they respond mm-hmm. based on a programmed reality. And then here's even another aspect of that. It's responding. Instead of being proactive, they're being it's reactive. You, you don't have time to be proactive because of the programming. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's what I see. And, and there are or is a shift in groups of people. Right. And we're seeing it. We are seeing it. You talk about the programming. The programming for so long has been me, me, me. I got to get mine. I got to worry about you. I, I got to get mine. And as long as I'm doing all right, then, well, you're just on your, you've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you've got to be able to make it too. I mean, that's, that's your problem. Uh, and, and in order for me to have, that means I have to take, and, and in order for that person to get ahead, they have to take from me. And so it's like this, this, this setup for somebody wins and somebody loses and, and that's just BS. Oh, I agree. That's just BS. absolutely. Because really what, what we are shifting toward, what we need to be focused upon is the prosperity model, the, the abundance model. Talk to us a little bit about that from the way you teach it. Wow. So here's even getting even to the point of knowing that there's prosperity, that there's obtainable prosperity, Um, being able to discern when and how that looks, because most people only see prosperity as one thing and they think that that is solely the financial world. When they see someone with um, a lot of lavish Mm -hmm. um, belongings, that that equals prosperity. However, that person could be extremely deficit in in their spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. Just because they are manifesting something in this world doesn't mean that they have manifested um, peace, tranquility. It doesn't mean that at all. They could have acquired money through through gifting or through an inheritance or or through some uh, some sort of uh, family owned business. But yet the, the connection to their spiritual being is what's lacking. So see, prosperity it can mean something different for every single person. And so with my students, I teach them that the whole goal is to get to whole life prosperity. And, and that first thing that must happen is that you've got to, you've really got to like yourself. You've got to know who you are, and then you've got to like who you are. Well, that's a tough that's one for a lot of people. Of oh, absolutely! Because that opens up a book you didn't want to you didn't <laughs> want to look at. Right. There are words still attached to your to your great grandmother's life and your great grandfather's life and your mother's life and your aunts and uncles' lives and everybody's still writing your script. Yep. And you are still walking in their script. I, I remember telling, and I said this to one of my students, but it's because it was for it was real for me. My mother. Um, my mother dealt with diabetes and she, she transitioned at a very early age at 51 years old. And so I was with my fourth child. Uh, that child was only literally not even 17 months old when she transitioned. So for those that may not know what that means, that she died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and it was something so preventable. You know, it was, it, was, it was a diabetic coma. It was something so preventable. Mm-hmm. 
And so then all I could think of is, oh my gosh, I don't want to die at such and such, and I don't want to have diabetes, and I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> this is all this stuff. Right. So this is now all I could care about is really just living. I could care less about the money. I mean, yeah, I need money to eat food, and I need money to eat the right food, and so I could buy the right food, and I need money so I can live in a, in a decent home, and you know. But the reality is that if all I had to be really concerned about was to be healthy. Right. So I could just live. That's Not right. Not that I can do this stuff, but so that I could just live. And so I remember meditating and thinking, and this is all I thought, my mother created her story. And she lived her thoughts a specific way. And whatever those thoughts that she had, began to manifest in um, maybe a certain sadness or a certain um, regret. So therefore now she thought about food a different way. You see, I started putting all these things together. And so she's thinking about foods and she, so now that she's not even reaching to obtain the right food that would help her body, but why? And so then I started thinking about the story that her life led to. And I would hear someone say, oh, you know, you should be careful so you're not a diabetic like your mother. And I remember one day stopping and saying, no, that's not your story. And in that personal moment between myself and my mother, who was deceased, I said, okay, so your pen has stopped. There's no more ink. You cannot go in the dipping well Mm -hmm. and write my story any longer based on what you did because you're stopped that day. And I still continue to live your story as if it would become my story. And I dipped your ink, your, your feather pin into this inkwell, my inkwell. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I let you borrow my pen and I've allowed you to create this script. And it was then, and this has got to be almost uh, maybe eight years ago, let me say five years ago, that I shifted and changed my diet. I stopped eating the way my mother ate. Mm. I did not take in enough foods. I, I changed the story. I said, your story stopped. <laughs> the yeah, pin that you write, the pin, yeah, the pin that you have is done. I'm yeah. done with that story. And so at that moment, I became vegetarian. I, I, well, let me say it this way. I became pescatarian. So all I was eating fish. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up, I was 180 pounds at that point in time. So this is. This has got to be six years ago, six, seven years ago, 180 pounds. Maybe a little longer than that, okay? Give or take a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was almost 190 pounds, and I'm only 5'1". So that was not acceptable. Right. And when I made that decision to, to change the story, to stop writing her story and then recreating my own, Literally, I went from that 180 to 145 pounds. Wow! In in about four months' time. Wow! And that wasn't from a sickness. That was from literally changing the story. And every day, I would say, "You were so healthy, and you loved drinking water, and you loved the way you look in the mirror, and you liked the the way um, this you." What did I say? At one point, I said. Oh, Mrs. Fat. 
Oh, Mrs. Pat, I know you're tired of being here, so I would like to give you away to somebody that needs you because there is someone in the world that may be sick, and they are needing an extra layer of, of uh, fat to assist them. I so love that. So I now give you permission to go to that area. And I would say that every day. I would say, oh, Mrs. Fat. <laughs> now, there's a little bit left here, but I know there's someone else that needs this. And this is not sick fat. This is now, this is padding fat. This is fat, mm-hmm. this motherly love fat. And I need you to go to the person that needs that to help them through a moment. And I so I started shedding this way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Power of affirmation and words, right. right? And so I stopped speaking my mother's story and began to recreate my own story. I and I literally it. would write this story down or I'd speak out these words. And I am, I think, now 138 pounds, um, which is great uh, for, for my stature because mm-hmm. I'm only 5'1". I mean, I went from being a 99-pound dancer to now, you know, having five children and, and 190 pounds. Nice and good. once I did that and released all the other stress that was in my life, so there was a you know, few other things I had to yeah. let go of, yes. change my diet. I just accepted that I could create my own story. And so I get to be who I want to be. So I love that. And and I I love the example you gave in describing kind of how you implement your system. But now I'm going to ask you, so law of attraction programming has been around for quite a while. I don't remember now when Mm -hmm. the secret first came out, but it's been a while. And there have been mixed feelings around it when I first saw the secret for the for the very first time I will be completely I'll be completely up front I said wait a minute wait a minute that's not the whole story they're holding <laughs> something back what did wait a minute so <laughs> so I, love it. I ha- you know I had a problem with it because I felt like they were giving us half the carrot but they were holding something back and it wasn't the whole story. Now, Michelle, your approach to affirmation and manifestation, your system is kind of different than the typical law of attraction programming. So tell us, if you were to describe to someone, this is what I do, this is how it's different. Wow. So, yes, there were aspects of of that program that was limited. That's how I'm going to use the term. Mm -hmm. It was limited. It was, it was an hour. What I would think the program was an hour and a half. That sounds about right. There's right. There's no way you can give all the nuances Mm -hmm. in an hour and a half. And there's no way that you can collect enough people to, to give validation to experiences that were beyond even that secret. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the interesting part of it. The secret, which is amazing, came from ancient knowledge, which is spoken about in, at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. The very beginning of the, 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 the program, it says that it came from ancient knowledge. And this ancient knowledge goes all the way back to Africa. But even yet, that wasn't even stated. So therefore, you had to figure out, well, where did the ancient knowledge come mm-hmm. from? I mean, there were so many missing pieces to mm-hmm. it. So it was like, and so therefore, there were groups of people that still didn't get to tap into it. That's which right. Was really interesting. That's exactly. Yeah. Now, because, I do want to say, because I don't want to be accused of 
of being too negative about it. I will say ooh, ooh. that it served its purpose in bringing it to the forefront of people's consciousness. And that's, the, it kind of took that whole hermetics principle and made it mainstream. And I think that really needed to happen. But you're right. It was limited and, and missing pieces. And because of that, there were people who weren't able to tap in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now what you're finding is people who are, are who are, I, I want to say, tweaking it. They're looking at it and go, okay, so there's another component to this. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're recognizing what that component is. First of all, you have to, just the, the whole part of it is that you've got to know yourself. And, and that seems so, that, that really seems such a cliche statement. And I'm going to tell you the first time I heard it and the, and the 50th time I heard it and the 100th time I heard it, I still didn't get it <laughs> until you get stuck with it. <laughs> Until you get stuck with yourself and you have no other choice and you are crying in a room. And you might be crying, not one day, but you think you got it, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're crying. And then you have another crying spell like 120 days later. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, and the brain just opens up. But so so here's my take on on manifesting because I do teach this. I I teach the power of affirmation. People literally, and I love this, and I enjoy it. Um, but is, I have to say, I'm, I'm one of the mothers of affirmation, um, uh, manifestation. It, it is what I do, but it's not just that there was, there's a component in our brain. It, it, it's the God factor. It, it's the subconscious mind. And as I brought out before, it's earlier, this program, we are taking all data in and that data is, is. Uh, storage. That storage is happening from the time you were 10 years old, from the time you were 3 years old, even when you were in the womb in utero. And if you are really knowing that you are spirit energy, that even happens prior to you entering the womb of, uh, of the person you chose to to dwell with for the rest of your life as, as the mother energy. So all that data is being stored in the subconscious brain. You know, and and, and and the brain is, has these different components of itself. There's three brains, and there's this one large brain. And of the large brain, or, or that's sitting underneath this, this cranium, our skull, then there's these three components. So you've got the frontal lobe, you've got the cere- um, cerebellum, and then you've got the pineal. And, so, and I share this with my students. I let them know, hey, so your frontal lobe is where you get the pictures. The, the, the middle brain, the pineal, that's the feeling, that's the intuition, that's the part that, says, that, that feels that I love you, that feels that I adore, that feels that I am upset and I'm angry. I'm, I get a hit that this might not be good because I get this weird feeling. That's the pineal brain. Then you've got the subconscious brain, and that one just says, hey, I already know who I am because I am already acknowledged. I am acknowledged all day, every day. You don't even have to give me a name because mm. I just know I'm here. That's the subconscious brain. And so anytime you feed information into the subconscious brain, which is just, it's just amazing, it's storing all these pictures. It's, it's storing all this information. And so therefore, eventually, those pictures will seep up to the, the frontal lobe uh, translated as, as information, and that information looks like a picture. And then that middle brain starts to have a feeling about it. When that feeling comes up that's triggered by the pineal um, gland, Mm -hmm. um, that triggers feeling, 
then it sent, it's literally like a beam, a, a, like, like a radio beacon. And it's literally just beaming out, like, that's, a, that's the only way I can say that <laughs> when I think about it. And so, it's, it's, so wherever you are in the frequency, then now in that frequency is now going to pull in vibration of that which it is attracting. So when I tell people, you know, you speak a word, and the word has a vibration. You can feel it on your tongue. Mm-hmm. And so it's leaving. Just because it left your tongue didn't mean it stopped. It kept going. So those words are formed by the images that you had in your frontal lobe that were uh, allowed to be created by what's stored back in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. So now you've spoken those words out, and it's now just traveling. It's traveling. And all it's looking for is the particles that match. It's like, oh, oh, there you are. Oh, my gosh, there it is. And literally, it's sticking. That's how I say it. This is how I see my world. This is how, you know. So then it's just all of a sudden, okay, you get to come back home with me. Come back. Because now the vibration now receives, comes back to you like waves of the sea, and then it draws mm-hmm. back. And so it's, it's, tra- it's, it's literally like attaching itself and then drawing back to you, like a boomerang effect. Okay. And then you get to experience those things. And whatever those things are, they're either good, bad, or indifferent, but they are definitely your experiences. You create your reality, but you are also co-creators with other people in your life. That's it right so there. Whatever, right. Mm-hmm. So whatever the experience that you are having that you desire, that you desired in the past, and, and then now you are having it, it is also co-creative with someone else that is a light connection. So I'm going to use this example, just this radio show. I wrote down uh, somewhere maybe about three or four months, I would really love to be a guest on um, a radio program. I've been a, a guest before, but I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling happy about expressing these things. I'm, um, my students are learning more. This gives them another resource. And so, but, and I said it, dear ancestors and old universe and, and great energy that is the master of all energies, then I appreciate that one day I'm excited. And I said it as if it had already happened. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm so excited that I, that I get to sit down and enjoy an amazing conversation with someone over the radio. How fun. And left it at that, right? Yeah. Now, lo and behold, I have this amazing friend who is in a whole other city who says, I got this radio program. And she inboxes me and she goes, hey, you ever thought about being on my radio program? I want you on my radio program. I'm like, what? Right? So, but this, was the, this, this is how it happened. So I sent out that vibration, that thought, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And the desire was, it was really, you know, it, it, it was just sincere. And it reached all the way to you, which you are also my sister co-creator. Beautiful. So with that, right, then it matches and voila, we have an experience that we both now share. I love it. Now, yeah, absolutely. And so when I see, you know, the secret. I say that is a component, but we can also be part of people's miscreations. 
Yes. Let's talk about let's talk about that for a minute. Miscreations. Yeah. Or uh, (laughs) because we've all had some of those. I. I, Oh, uh, absolutely. uh, And affirmations. So there are two things going on here. So we have either affirmations that come into reality, but they're miscreations, or we have affirmations that never seem to realize. Mm, mm Hmm. So excuse me. Got to take a drink of my beautiful mango tea. Okay. So we, what I notice is that affirmations must be done in the most positive form. They must be done as if they've already happened in appreciation. And that's one of the keys. And most people still do affirmations that are, that are futuristic in their verbiage. And the brain doesn't, does not care uh, what time it was because it doesn't know time. It does not even measure time. It's our conscious self that measures time, but the subconscious doesn't. So... And when, when doing affirmations, it really has to be something that is believed, and, and I'm going to use that expression, not known, but believed that it is, that it is just now occurring. And I'm so excited that I get to have coffee and tea with my best friend, you know, in, in Morocco. And, and then you put a, a date on it. You could put a date on it if you wanted to. <laughs> it's, it's positive and it's, it's as if it already happened and it's happening in the now. It's not past tense. It's not futuristic. It's the verbiage. It's completely present. And it's, and you're so thankful for it. That's so thankful. Well, okay. So then you, those manifestations come in. They come in, they come in rather quickly, especially if they're with feeling. And that's, that's definitely a the key component. Now, we also can become part of someone's miscreation. So if someone is, their, their, their energy is vibrating at a different frequency. I'm not going to say it's lower, just a different vibration. Mm-hmm. And their vibration is experiencing pain right now because they're needing to feel alive. And so in order to feel alive, they, need to, they may need to cry a lot, but their crying is not joyous crying. Their crying is about pain. And that's the only way that they can feel actually alive. So therefore, they they keep having experiences that make them feel alive like this. Okay. And so this person, um, uh, let's just say they're in, they're in college and they have a term paper that they have to do, but their term paper also is connected to another partner. And the partner is really positive. Things like, oh, we're going to always we'll get it done. No worries. But the person comes in and says, oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time because such and such is happening. And every time they come, they bring maybe a sad story or they bring a, a, a distraught event. And that person is now being sucked into their distraught stuff, and there's this, this energetic frequency. Mm-hmm. And then now, now watch this. This is so such a simple thing. So now because of being involved in the conversation of this, this person, they don't have enough time to finish the project. And so the project gets little attention. And so now, eventually, as they turn in their project that has been mishandled and not given enough attention to and, and, and loosely put together, chaotically put together, the teacher now grades the, both of them with this uh, subpar grade. And the student, the positive one, says, how in the world I gave her everything. All she had to do was just stick the stuff on the on the <laughs> on the freaking whiteboard and did it all for her. 
And she didn't even have to do anything. She was so stressed. And I just told her I didn't, I didn't want her to be stressed anymore. So I said, don't worry about it. I'll cut everything out. I'll do the article. I'll, I'll find the data. All you have to do and such and such and so and so. And then you create, if you just bring these things, I'm going to bring this. And then all I need you to do is just, you know, tab them. And then um, our research data, I just need you to do that. But I'm going to bring it all to you. Don't even worry. Now, she turns it in, but she doesn't turn it in all put together. It's kind of like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she just depended on this person since this person didn't have to do anything because she took all the burden from her. Right. She says, I know that she can just do that one thing. And she turns it in late. And on top of turning it in, she turns it in in um, real distress conditions. So then this teacher gives them the par. And that person over here says, I don't get it. I made it completely easy for her. Hmm. That's part of a miscreation. And so where is it that we, and we find ourselves drawn into people's stuff like that. We're like, how in the world did that happen? Mm -hmm. We see that. We see people who buy cars for people. (laughs) And they're like, how did that happen? I'm trying to help them. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just, it could be anything. It could be from the smallest thing to the most largest business transaction well, it, or or. It, re- it reminds me of it reminds me of the story of this person who came upon the butterfly cocoon. You've heard this one, and they they see mm. this they see this caterpillar struggling to break through this cocoon, and they watch for a few minutes and. They're feeling bad because they see this struggle and they see how hard this creature is trying to break out of its cocoon and it keeps struggling and keeps struggling. And well, finally, this person can't take it anymore. And so they kind of rip it open. They tear it open. Well, the butterfly comes out of the cocoon and it just falls to the ground and it, it can't fly. And what the person didn't realize is that that particular struggle was integral for this butterfly to build up the strength in its wings to be able to take flight. And so by intercepting in that and causing a miscreation, now this butterfly was unable to live. So sometimes we have to struggle. We have to have these challenges so that we can become stronger, so we can evolve. And I think that's kind of what you are sharing with us as well. Yes, I agree. So I, think, I agree with, the, with that butterfly analogy. Go ahead. So I think uh, that's kind of what you were sharing with us as well, is you can't do everything for everyone and then expect them to to step up because they haven't had the ability to have the struggle to grow and to evolve, and everyone needs to have that opportunity. Absolutely. Even the one that was, even that one that was helping, even they are learning something at that moment. It is even part of that person's evolution. And I want to be clear that there are nuances to this because that doesn't mean never step in and help anyone. And we just had this conversation in the previous hour. But of course, it doesn't mean everybody's on their own and pull themselves up by their bootstraps and everybody has to do everything by themselves. That's not what we're saying. It's the consciousness and the awareness to know when to step in, when to help, and when to allow, right? Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Now let's talk and about. So, um, go ahead. Let's talk about um, the acknowledgement and the acceptance and the self responsibility of our reality because that's a big one. Mm. I, I think that just right there is you said it. I, I don't mean to be that simple, but sometimes in um, in in our working to perceive what all of that is, 
that is the step. The step you you have to acknowledge exactly what your role is in it. You have to accept. I don't even want to use the word blame, but what is your part? What did you do? Mm-hmm. What did you do to bring this to you? And it doesn't mean that what you did is good or bad or indifferent. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that. But you do need to uh, step into your awareness of how your Actions played a role in in how certain things played out, right. and more than likely, they were all supposed to happen as the way that they did. Everything happens for a reason. Um, and I, what I know is that you have to be able to get out of the way to trust that the way that it worked out was for your highest good, anyway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about your book, "Your Wish Is My Command," and. And I love this because it's sort of the whole idea, the concept of the genie in the bottle and, and rubbing the, the, the little bottle there to get the genie to come out. And, and the genie says, your wish is my command. Oh, I love that. And you pointed out, oh right, you pointed out previously that, that that phrase, interestingly, has five words in it. Your wish is my command. It has five words. And we know numerologically that five the, the vibration of the number five is all about change or transformation. Talk to us a little bit about how the idea of this book, Your Wish is My Command, came about for you and putting this, uh, framing it in that way and being able to relay the idea of uh, affirmation and manifestation through that analogy. Oh, wow. Thank you. So <clears throat> it, it, it literally came to me. I was sitting in the backyard of my sister's house. And I began to reflect because I was going through another transition. And I was, uh, had manifested a job transfer, uh, literally in, in all of seven days. <laughs> it, it, it just happened. A job transfer, two raises, um, and a management position all in seven days. Nice. And I was literally trying to comprehend, just comprehend how in the world did I just do that? Like, what have I been thinking about? And so here I was meditating on this, and I'm seeing these, these, um, these butterflies just having just an amazing moment in the, in the backyard. And, and so I started to compliment, uh, contemplate what had been going on in my life that translated success. Like, what did you do that made it successful? And I need you to go back. I started going back. Okay. When you dance for the Sacramento Kings, NBA, National Basketball Association, how did that happen? And what was the transition? What was the trigger? Then I went to, then I started thinking about the next thing that led to this next thing. And, and one of the things that I discovered, it was that I was literally speaking, a, speaking an event out. And when I spoke the event out, it would come true. But I did not, I did not know to watch the patterns. And one of the things that I was uh, concerned with is how come we get a hit and miss? Mm. Like, how come sometimes we get it? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just like, I'm trying. How come I don't get it? That's how a come big I'm not one. in the groove? Yep. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out why is it some days, some months and years, I'm like doing it. And then I fall off. What is that? And mm-hmm. so that's why I started studying the, the pattern that I was keeping. And so I, I remembered it the one particular um, this this was a transition. I was I was dancing, and I wanted to dance. A friend of mine asked me to audition for a cruise line, and 
I didn't make it. Now, mind you, I was an, an extraordinary dance, like choreographer, dancer. I can remember anything and, and, and give it back to you. Like in, like literally, if you showed me you know, 15 eight counts, I could show you 15 eight counts and then some. Wow. Like I could just do it just like that. And so, but I went to this, this audition and a young girl kind of slithered behind me. And I'm going to say it just like that. And she says, oh, you're auditioning. And I said, yes. And she says, hmm. She goes, I don't really take people who are short. Oh. And I was only 5'1", right? So that just cut, that just literally tore me down. And I was angry. I could not get the steps. And, and it wasn't that I, as soon as I got in the car, I, I knew the whole routine. And I thought, what in the world? And I was upset. And I remember looking at this, this uh, Venus. This is my favorite planet. I remember looking at Venus. And I said, I kid you not, I said, I want everyone to know that I am one of the best dancers, and it doesn't matter how short I am, because every time they see me, my legs look six foot long. <laughs> and I said it just like that, and I, was, I said, and how dare she say that to me? And I was done with it, right? I don't think it was six weeks later, my cousin pulled me into a... Um, dance audition, but I didn't know it was a dance audition. I thought it was a master dance class. It's a regular dance class. She comes running to me. She goes, Shayla, there's a master dance class. I said, oh, really? How did that slip by me? I grab my stuff. I go to the college campus. I grab it and I run in there. And the lady says, oh, yeah, you got to put your name right here. I put mine. My cousin says, no, no, no. I already put your name down. I just told her to hold the doors open for you. Wow. I said, to this class? I said, oh, wow, that's great. Now, mind you, I still think it's a class. <laughs> they shut the door. My cousin is standing in the window. I hear, and I love his name, Andy Vaca. He's a choreographer for uh, United Spirit Association, um, dance director of UCLA. And uh, at that time, he was the dance choreographer for all of the major um, NBA and um, football dance groups for the 49ers and for the Los Angeles Lakers and for um, the Warriors basketball. So I've got to name all these because he's just an amazing person. Yes. Anyway, he stands up and he says, welcome to this year's second annual audition for the Sacramento Kings NBA Fast <laughs> Break Dancers. And my face dropped. So I'm, and the, the story is so important because yes. you'll get it in just a minute. My face dropped. I look over at my cousin because she knows I've never wanted to audition. I didn't. And she's waving in the window like, bye-bye. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And I can't leave because, you know, as a dancer, you can't leave, right? right? So I sit there and I'm, I'm angry during the whole thing and I'm dancing my solo. So I'm like, I can't believe she did this. I'm just going to clock her one when I get out of here. I'm just, oh, I'm so mad at her. And so I, I, we're done with the routine. They keep like cycling us up to the top and now I'm at the front row. And, and so then they, they congratulate all the dancers. I go to the, the director of the team and I said, I want to thank you. I was not trying to be here. I really need to leave. This routine was great. And I said it to her, just like that. Her name is Heidi Hopper. I said, but I, I, I don't want to stay. And she goes, no, 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 you have to stay. I said, no, 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 I don't want to stay. I said, my cousin signed me up. I don't want to do this thing. And she said, hold on. They tally up the scores. And she says, I think you need to hear this. 
she said, can you just wait five minutes? And she's standing next to me while they're reading off who made the team. My name gets called. And she says, you made the team. I said, I made the team? She says, you made the cut. Wow. She goes, they bring me, she holds up my score. I am the top scorer of 350 women. Wow. The top scorer. Wait a minute. This is exactly what she said. This is when you know that we create our reality. She says, how tall are you? And I and right right there, I'm just thinking she's gonna you know tell me I gotta go because I'm right. tall enough. Right. She, I said I'm five one. She goes, oh my gosh. She goes because out there your legs look six feet tall. <laughs> you are all legs. And we were trying to figure oh, out how tall is she because she looks so goodness. tall. She looks like she's got to be at least six foot tall. And somebody said, oh no, I saw her. She was standing over there. She's only a little bitty girl. Wow. And the woman Heidi Hopper, guess what? Is six feet tall. She's 5'11". And so that's when, as I started to meditate on all of these different in, in events in my life, I realized I was prescribing my future exactly to a T. And then I had to recognize I had to be careful of what I said. <laughs> right. And so it was hit and miss throughout my life. Like I was getting it and not getting it. And so finally here, this, this, you know, right prior to writing that book, I realized this is it. And so here I recognize, and so I began to ask myself the question, your wish is my command. And I thought, your wish is my command. And I, and I, and I literally was standing outside in this beautiful arrangement, and I had literally said, just a, maybe six weeks prior, I wish I could be in, in a beautiful home, just in the backyard, just loving my life. Boom, I was sitting right there, six weeks later. Didn't even know that that was going to happen. So now watch. I said, you are amazing, Michelle. I'm saying this to myself. You are so great. How come, this, how come you can't get it? And I'm asking myself, how come you, you do this hit and miss? Because you are wonderful. You, you do create. You have had thousands of dollars. You've owned property. You've owned you know, over 20 properties at one point in time. You, I started going down the line, and I said, you're pretty damn amazing. And then I turned around, and I said, yes. I am. And boom, it hit. <gasps> you are in the mirror confirming yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I confirmed myself, then I said, I am. And that's when it hit me. So you that's where you I had am. the, that's where you had the epiphany to create the you are, I am affirmation system that you teach now. Exactly. Exactly. Fantastic. And it is through that. And, and it and literally through a, a, a connected set of words that propel you to that next level. And when you use them the right way, you unlock or remove the blockages in the subconscious that keeps you from moving forward. Fantastic. Student after student and testimony after testimony of, of my students are like, oh, my gosh, Mama, this is happening. And they call me Mama Tin. Oh, my gosh, Mama, this is happening. Mama Tin, this is happening. And $4,500 or I got this job or my, my marriage is this is now. Um, I have a woman literally at this moment has, um, she was, she, and I love this. This is her former story. She had cancer. Literally her cancer is shrinking. Her wound is healing. 
And, and literally, it was by the affirmations that I gave, she and her three friends, and they began to collectively do this together. Fantastic. And, and within 48 hours, her doctor said, I do not know what you were doing, but something happened, and we do not have to do therapy on the way that we had prescribed prior. You need to keep doing whatever you're doing. Fantastic. So this, 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 these things work, and, and, and my own life is the living testimony. Outstanding. Now, tell us a little bit more. You talk about in one of your books, I can't remember which one right now. Uh, let's see. You, you have the two books, Your Wish is My Command and How Much by When. Uh, it might be in uh, Your Wish is My Command. You talk about the power trail road, the void negative road, and the abundant prosperity highway. I just love that. So, oh, what's, yeah. So, so tell, talk to us about that. Oh, okay, so let's go back to the, what was the first one? To Look at I've got so many. I know. <laughs> so you were making, you were talking about the power trail road and then the void negative road and the abundant prosperity oh, highway. Yeah, power trail. Yeah. So that right there is um, literally advancing um, yourself uh and, and I'm just going to say uh, through the different um, aspects of, of energy and connecting and linking energy. But the, the most important piece of this is the, the void negative. That's the part of our life that we actually have to remove um, all the negative data that, that continues to recreate the former stories or rebirth the former story, or resurrect the former story. You have to release, you have to release all of that. And the void negative, um, yeah. So, look, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I, I, I want to make sure that I get to um, pieces of that that, um, that make sense. You're right. For our listeners. Um, because i sitting here and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, let me get into, <laughs> like, let me open up my book. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. So, I'm like, because there's, there's that piece of the whole, it's like, you have to, you have to literally read the, the, that power trail, the, the, the connection that we make um, of, of knowing what our power is and, and literally releasing um, releasing the the triggers that that have us losing our power, our, our our internal power. So, tell me what. Let me just ask you, what part of it was most intriguing to you? Well, I think I. Well, first of all, just the titles themselves. I mean, it's very creative. Uh, but what we, when you're talking about basically climbing up the power trail, I think what really resonated with me was. Uh, you were talking about really getting into the rhythm of your expressions and the timing of your thoughts because obviously we have hundreds of thousands if not millions of thoughts a day and a lot of them we don't even recognize. They just roam around. And so when you were talking about really examining the rhythm of your expressions and, and really noting the timing of the entry of thoughts – and that getting that awareness of what thoughts you're actually having when they appear, what's going on, that was really interesting to me. And 
um, it, it opens up the road to being able to say, you know what, I need to really pay attention. What, why did this thought come into my mind right now? What's happening? And you're talking, so what you were talking about was um, basically feeling your way up that power trail road, which was really interesting. And as, and then as you just ex- ex- explained, the really base part of that is clearing out the obstacles which is what you talk about stepping into the void negative. I just love that phrasing. Yes. There's so much I'm sitting here looking at my documents because there's so much in there and I'm, I'm really working at discerning what, what piece that I'm, that I can give without this person feeling like, okay, wait a minute. Um, How did she even get to this place? Like, what was it prior to that? So um, if you, I'm, I'm literally opening up this, um, this document because I wanted to read a piece of that, um, which is so important. And that is uh, in Chapter 6, which road and which path. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and I talk about that. Uh, we all begin on the void negative road. This is an excerpt from that, otherwise known as the cramped and narrow road. Yet there is another pathway. It's wide and spacious. And this road allows room for negative thoughts, action, and experiences. Once these are allowed into your daily routine, these forms of energy cause you to lose focus and fall, and you simply stumble off the cliff only to land on the road that splinters into tiny spider paths of negative experiences. And this I call that vampire lane. <laughs> I just love that. Right? I love okay. the imagery. Right. So- <laughs> So, right, right, because that's exactly what happens. The mm-hmm. question that you should be asking yourself is how can I feel where this road begins and how can you feel where it begins is in, in, in knowing that the feeling is the formula. Mm-hmm. And so then I offer the, the, the steps, the three steps to knowing um, how you are on the right road, that, that right pathway. So I talked about that power trail. And... Um, this is examining the rhythm of your expression, the timing, and, and connect what you see with your expressions. And this is what I tell people is like literally a totem walk. When they, when they actually go out and, and they ask the universe, you know, the, the, the greatest question that they could ever begin to ask, you know, will I, will I get this job? You know, will I be happy at this job? And literally begin to take note of the things that they are feeling and discerning as images come into their experience, whether it's a butterfly, whether it's, um, you know, a set of red cars, uh, or if it's uh, more men in in your vicinity than it is women, or if it's a lot of children around, you, you need to, you need to take note of these things. And as I brought out in, in the, the writing, it says that when you begin to write, write the, the feelings, um, then you are now finding your way up this power trail road. You, you are discovering um, that your feelings are connected to the things that you are experiencing, and it is giving you the answer. And you can take that answer, and, and nine times out of ten, you can bank on that if you made the decision based on the the images that came into your data field, that's how I'm going to put it, then you would find yourself at a happier place. Mm-hmm. And for myself, uh, that, would, that would occur. I would 
and I, and I have a video on this, uh, literally. I went out, I was in Denver, Colorado. I went to a park to do a, um, a totem walk to show how this really happens, translating feeling into words based on things that are happening in my world. And I had gotten out of the car and I saw this lady in red and uh, far off. She was wearing red. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Didn't think, it really didn't think nothing of it. I go to further into the park and I'm seeing that the whole um, man-made lake is frozen and I make mention of that. And as I turn around in my video view is um, a red car. And as I'm looking at myself in the video, I look at myself and I see I'm wearing red glasses and I've got a red shawl. And all of a sudden, a lady walks past me, another lady with um, a red jacket. And then all of a sudden, a man walks by with a dog with a red leash. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. And I literally was processing while I was making the video for my students. What are you feeling right now? All this red is in your world. So I had to literally think, what are my ancestors telling me? First of all, what's the, what does this color red mean? Why is it coming up in your world? And you need to write that down. So um, th- these, were, these were things that I was literally discerning for myself. And so as I brought out in the, in the writing, realized that it's a deep gut feeling that we have behind the words we speak. Making that connection will mean instant change. We can speak positively about everything, but if we do not feel it, then our world remains the same. So therefore, as you are, you are going about and you're asking the world to show you the answer, and you're getting those answers, the answers that you're getting are based on how you feel. And you may not want to accept those things, but the quicker that you acclimate and you condition your uh, mind to accept what the universe is bringing you, now you are climbing that power. You're, you're, you're climbing the power trail because now you're discerning correctly about your world. You're not, you're not closing the door to your uh, awareness. And, and, that, and that's, a, that's a hard place to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you, that right there is what gets so many people stuck. So just understand. And I think that's um, really the key because we talk about the law of attraction, we talk about the secret, we talk about manifestation, affirmation. You have a way of beautifully laying out where to start, where the roadblocks are, how to remove those blocks, actually how to do it. And that was, I have to, I'm going to be straight with you. I'm, I'm a trained scientist, right? And, and so one of the things that used to drive me absolutely bananas in the world of whether it's new ageism or whatever you want to call it is, oh, you don't have to worry about the how, just you know, you just believe in it. Not to stop. I do need to know about the how because that's who I am. That's the way my brain works. So I think that's why I resonated a lot with what you're teaching and what you're doing because you say, here's how you do it. <laughs> here's how you unwind it. Here's how you deconstruct it. Here's how you reconstruct it. Oh, okay. I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And <clears throat> the interesting thing, I know that you, this is just... Slightly digressing, but you, we did mention the, that void negative road. Um, that's the, one of the components to undoing or unwinding our stuff. Mm. You know, uh, we, two negatives actually make a positive, and that was what I brought out in, in, in the, the chapter. A void negative actually is a positive. So I had, spoke of a road that we may travel as a 
uh, as a void negative road. And it's, it's named literally for its function. It's a positive zone of thought, action, and manifestation. We're in a positive zone of thought. It's negative of, of anything that is not productive. And so we, we really want to get to that place. And so how do you, un, how do you unravel the brain from being in that place? Because we use a lot of words that actually keep us from producing what we truly desire. Like I, one of the ones that I, and I, this is a simple one, so people will get it right away. One of the, the, the easiest things I hear people say all the time is, I can't wait. Mm-hmm, right. And all I say is, Ooh, <laughs> what you really should be saying is, I'm so excited for her. Yes. Because what you did was you gave the universe every reason to give you more reason to wait. Right. It is a void negative statement. So we need to find statements that actually become positive and you only now accentuate the positive. And so that was an example of a no, uh, void negative statement. <laughs> because Perfect. it's not going to get you anywhere. Right, right. So I, as, as I was sitting here thinking, I was thinking, wow, what can I share with a person to, to really get the concept of what that is? Right. And that is, and we say a lot of them throughout the day. We, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we actually zero out. Right. It, unintentionally. So, so right. we really have to choose our words carefully no matter, because again, we both agree our words do create our reality, and you're right. When we have our thoughts, our words, and the feeling, now now is when things are really coming into reality. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, Michelle, if someone wants to learn more about your program for affirmations and manifestation or your inner goddess awareness program or your reach one, teach one program, uh, your radio show, The Good Stuff Hour, Manifesting Your Millionaire Self, uh, or finding your books, how can they reach out to you? How do they best find where you are? Wow, thank you. You can go to my website, moonintuit.com, like intuition, M-O-O-N-I-N-T-U-I-T.com. That is, uh, you, that's one of the easiest ways to find me. You can also find me on Facebook, Douglas. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A dot R-E-N-A dot Douglas. So those are the best ways that you can find me um, in social media. And I'm uh, always accessible. I answer my students. Um, I, have, I have thousands of students across the United States, some in different countries. And, and that's even, that's really fascinating mm-hmm. um, as far as Australia and in Africa. And so, um, so I'm, I'm always accessible. Fantastic. And I also have a... A, a fan page or a public page, so you can definitely join that and, and catch all of my my different programs that I offer. I have a free class, and that's every Wednesday evening. It's called the Good Stuff Hour, and so you can plug that in. Just Google it because it's going to pop up. The Good Stuff Hour, and uh, making and manifesting your millionaire self, and that's really about whole life prosperity. Fantastic. And so um, that is. An hour class, and, and it is a, it's jam-packed. And right now we are studying, believe on this, The One-Minute Millionaire. Nice. It's an amazing book. I love so, it. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you very much. And so, uh, you know, Michelle, again, I just I so appreciate you taking time today. I, I We could talk for hours. This could go on forever. 
Um, but uh, I would love to have you on the show again. And I just really appreciate you sharing all your insight and your stories and, and wisdom that you've learned along the way. Uh, just again, thank you. Thank you for doing this. This is awesome. And thank you for allowing me to. Absolutely. Um, you My and I pleasure. have been connected for many years and, and many more to come. And I look forward to being able to support you in your endeavors. I, I am appreciative for you supporting me in, in my endeavors. And it is continued full life prosperity. It truly is the good stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Transpersonal Radio listeners, I will make sure to have Michelle's contact information on the show notes on transpersonalradio.com website. And do go check her out. She's always manifesting. She's always creating. She's always doing really good stuff. I would say great stuff. I would say magnificent stuff. So make sure you go check her out. Uh, see what she's up to. Take advantage of the free class. Get to know her. Get to know how she uh, teaches her classes. It's really worth your time. And I hope you got a lot of value out of the show this evening. This one actually, of course, went much longer than an hour, but I feel there was a lot of good information in there and I didn't want to cut it short. So uh, luckily this will be a podcast. You can listen to it again and again. You can share it. Please do. And uh, again, until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Trans Transpersonal Radio. If you'd like to suggest a future future topic or be a guest, visit transpersonalradio.com. Call the hotline at 619-800-6057 or like our page, facebook.com slash transpersonalradio.